0: Well, good morning, church family. Morning. Hey, it is good to be in Centralia this morning. I'm pretty familiar with the area. My name is Mike Malman, and you met my wife, Anita. Anita, we have a home in Wenatchee, and she works in Wenatchee, so she's going to be here on the weekends joining us. Uh, but it is good to be with you here this morning. Uh, for 12 years, 11 years, I guess, we were just up the road from you, up by 5 at uh, the Church of the Nazarene in Tumwater. Uh, if you drive north, the first church you come to on the right there, you'll see it just by Tim Water High School. We were there for 11 years and I love this part of the world. My wife grew up on the dry side. I'm kind of a wet-sider. I grew up in I grew up in Kirkland, so my, the adjustment's going to be a little easier for me. I think I got a picture of my family here to show you this morning. Our daughter, that's our youngest, in the middle there, she got married this summer in our backyard and uh, her name is Emma and her husband uh, to the left there is John uh, they're the cot camps and they live up in Bellingham he's finishing up school up there and uh, then she's talking about going to law school and uh, she's good at arguing I know this uh, for a fact so uh, I hold out hope for her and that on the far right hand side that's our oldest son that's John and uh, John lives in San Diego where he is a TV producer and then you see uh, my wife so we have been in Wenatchee Washington for the last 12 years where I was the pastor of the Wenatchee Church of the Nazarene uh, And I ended that uh, season of my life back in October and I've been doing some pulpit supply since then but it is good to be with you today and I look forward to getting to know you uh, more and more uh, in the coming months. I'm gonna be here for a little while so uh, don't be afraid to invite me to coffee or give me a call. I love to talk, hear your story, learn a little bit more about you. Uh, Do we have any uh, Cougars here this morning? WSU Cougars? Who's a Cougar fan? Any Cougar fans? okay, i'm a husky uh, so uh yeah, I'm a Husky. Uh, I graduated from Washington in 1989, and then I went off uh, after I went back into ministry. I, I, I started my career doing something else for 10 years, and then at almost 30 years old, I went into ministry and went back to uh, Northwest Nazarene and got a master's degree, and it's, uh, it's just good. I just am looking so forward. It was so fun to be out in the lobby this morning meeting people. I love that part of church. I love the fellowship part, and, and I look forward uh, to getting to know all of you. I also want to commend the job that uh, Pastor Alan and Kim did uh, while they were here and uh, I know they did some good work and we need to keep them in our prayers right Uh, Because it's been some deep water for them over the last uh, couple months. Uh, And we want to bless them and continue to pray for them. Alan started this series. I hopped on your webpage when I was called about uh, uh, this ministry here. And and you have three words on your webpage right off the front. And those words are pursue, engage, and impact. Pursue, engage, and impact. And so Pastor Alan had started a... a, a series, a nine week series, sort of taking us through the mission and purpose of why we are here and, and what we're doing. And for the last three weeks, he's been focusing on this idea of pursuing God. Right? That's where everything starts. This relationship, this vertical relationship, supersedes all other relationships it informs all other relationships and so that's where he's been so this morning we're going to uh, do a little bit of review here, quick I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on it first week he talked about initiate or intimate relationships with God and I'm not he preached he did I watched all three they were phenomenal uh, but we need to make it a priority in our life to be pursuing Jesus right it's job one And when we are pursuing Jesus, all sorts of things can happen in our life. But when we have that foundation with Christ at our center, we can stand up to a lot of things, can't we? So pursuing Jesus starts first, this intimate relationship, but then a strong prayer life. Church, one of the things I'm going to be emphasizing in however many months I'm here is that we're going to be a praying people. And I know many of you already are. But if this church is going to move forward, we're going to have to be seeking the face of the Lord um, and and really pursuing uh, uh, His plans. And that doesn't happen outside of conversation with God, right? So we need to be talking with God. And then finally, last week, he talked about obedience to the Word of God. Obedience to the Word of God. We are a people of the book. Amen? We're a people who intimately want to get to know our Heavenly Father. And the primary way we do that is through His Word to us. A lot of what covers for church in this day and age is just self-help repackaged. It's not what we're about. We're about exploring the Word of God, diving into the Word of God, seeing what it says to us, sometimes letting it knock us off our foundation. If you're not being challenged by the Word of God, if it's not making a little bit uncomfortable, there might be something amiss. So we need to look at the, the Jesus of the Bible, see where we're different from the Jesus of the Bible, and then through the power of the Holy Spirit, pursue Him and become more and more like Him. Today we're gonna begin the next series, the next three parts. And we're going to be focusing on this engage word. Engaging with one another. This church family. One of the things I've, you know, this is my first look at you. First time I've seen you. You're not bad looking. (laughs) You're a good looking bunch. But one of the things I like right now as I look out here is that this church appears to me to be intergenerational. There are young people here. And there are older people here. You'll go to a lot of churches now, and they're all young people. Or churches, and they're all old people. No, we need each other. We need old people teaching the younger people the lessons of life. But there are things we can learn from the young. And revival oftentimes comes through the young. And so we need to be exploring that a little bit. But we're going to talk about the need for community. Several years ago, I was teaching. From time to time, I go to a place uh, in South Asia uh, and teach on Christian ethics at a college for for, uh, young Christians who are preparing for the ministry. And I was in Dhaka, Bangladesh, and I landed at the airport in Dhaka, Bangladesh. Uh, the, The nation of Bangladesh has about 170 million people, okay? But it's about half the size of the state of Washington. Think about that for a second. And I land at the Dhaka airport, and one of the things I realized when you get off the plane there is you don't look like anybody else. (laughs) Dhaka is 95%, Bangladesh is 93% rather, uh, Islamic. Uh, It's 0.25% Christian. So when you get off the plane, you realize you look different. So I went to the pre-appointed place to get picked up by my driver. And it's not like, I mean, SeaTac's a mess, right? We can all agree on that, amen? Um, but SeaTac is very orderly compared to the airport in Dhaka, Bangladesh. It is a mess, it's a crush of people, packed in. And I don't look like anybody else. And my driver doesn't show up. And I re- There's probably, in this waiting area, there's probably 3,000 people just packed in. It's a small, small space. And I am in this room full of humanity, and yet I feel all alone, all alone. In some ways, it's an image of the world that we live in right now, where people are surrounded by people and busyness. We can connect like we've never been able to connect before through electronics. And yet the epidemic of loneliness and isolation in our world is unlike it has ever been before. And that's been particularly exacerbated by the last two and a half years, hasn't it? The isolation, the politicization that has isolated us even further. And the reality is we were not created to be alone. From the very beginning, from the start of the canon of scripture, We learn in Genesis chapter 2 God is looking out over his creation He looks at Adam and you know what he says He says this, it's not good for the man to be alone, I'll make a suitable helper for him God looks out at, at this person he has just created and he identifies something that he has actually created us for we need other people As you look around in here this morning, you may not realize it but the people who are in here this morning, you need those people You need those people. We need one another. If we're going to grow and move forward, if we're going to carry out God's purposes for us, church, it's going to be done in community and not in isolation. The book of Acts gives us Luke's account of the founding of the church. The the, the Acts of the Apostles is the start of the New Testament church. It's It's this new faith, and I'd like you just to imagine for a second you're living in this new church in the Middle East under Roman oppression, the, the government is not necessarily for you. But the religious leaders of the day, the dominant religion's also not for you. You're this little minority sect. But all of a sudden, something happens with a small band of, of men and women that's empowered not by some government edict, but rather by the very breath of the Spirit of God moving among them. And what happens is, is marvelous. Would you do something for me? Out of respect for God's word, would you stand? And I'm going to read Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. It says this. They, these new band of believers, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added daily to their number those who were being saved. Lord Jesus, would you speak to us this morning as we examine closely your word to us. Would you give us the heart and passion of that first church? Would you help us to evaluate our own lives, beginning with us? Would you knock down any walls, any barriers that we have built up that are not of you, God? Would you give us a fresh view of this community that meets in this neighborhood, but God, also the greater communities of Centralia and Chehalis and the mission that can be accomplished here in Rochester and Grand Mound and and all throughout Lewis County. Would you give us a passion for the lost and a desire to minister to the very needs of one another? And it's in your name we pray, amen. You may be seated. Folks, Christian relationships are violent. It's not good for people to be alone. Why are they, invi- why are they so Well, First off, they are essential to learning about Jesus. They're essential to, uh, to, to learning about Jesus. Let me ask you a question that's sort of a, a really obvious question. How did you come to know about Jesus? Anybody? Someone told you, Right? Uh, We come to Jesus because someone has elected uh, to tell you about Jesus. Somebody looked at you and cared enough. Maybe it was a mom or dad. Maybe it was a coworker or somebody, a parent on one of your kids' teams, looked at you and said, I want to tell this person about Jesus. We learn about Jesus from other people, but it, it goes beyond that. How do you learn more about Jesus? How do you grow in your faith? Well, I can tell you from my own personal story, that growth in faith happened in a community of other believers. Who were pushing me. Who were poking at me from time to time. Who were holding me accountable when my behavior wasn't what it should be. Who were calling me to a higher standard. I was called to ministry. We were attending a, a, a Baptist church in, in Yakima, Washington. And there was a group of men that surrounded me. And I was just a young, I, I was in my 20s. A- and those men challenged me to be fo- a follower of Jesus Christ. Growth happens. Now, some of this is really obvious, but I think it's, it warrants saying, if we are going to learn, we have to be taught. If we're going to learn, we have to be taught. One of the verses I like here is uh, verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. That's kind of loaded language, isn't it? They They what? devoted. There was devotion. There was this this passion to to hear the word of God. That what happened maybe in the temple or as they gathered in homes with one another wasn't just another thing they did in life. But it was central to the very fiber of who they were. Right? Right? They were devoted. So, that word devotion is so rich. Because while learning happens in community, there is a, an individual responsibility for each of us to engage in learning, right? You know, learn how many we have a lot of teachers in this church, don't we? How many are connected to education somehow? Not every student wants to learn. Right? but the ones who wanna learn can grow very rapidly. There's this devotion to learning, this gathering together to, uh, in, in, in sometimes small bands to really dig deep into the word of God. That is one of the purposes of the church. So we arrived this morning at around uh, a little bit before nine and a really, I, and a, a really nice lady greeted us. Yeah, what, what's your name again? Marsha, Marsha greeted us. And there was a group of people gathering back in the, um, in the room just off of the coffee shop. The family, that's the family room? See, I'm learning right now. Um, and I said to Marsha, I said, What's, who's that group of people? And Marsha goes, oh, that's The Chosen. <laughs> I'm like, the, it's the what? It's <laughs> The Chosen. And I, I'm like, in my head, I'm thinking, well, this church, <laughs> they apparently have a higher level of discipleship, because there's like, the regular people, and then over in that room, well, that's The Chosen. Uh, I learned that it was the video series, The Chosen. How many of you have watched that? That's really good. Uh, and Rob, Sandy? Rob, where? Uh, that left. you left already? Okay. Uh, so... I have that effect. Uh, So uh, yeah, so Rob is teaching that class, but it's good to see a group of people wanting to gather in a smaller group. We all know there are things that happen around a round table that aren't going to happen in here with all of us facing forward. And so that community is necessary. We know that the the large meeting though is also important and and it's talked about here. Further on in Acts chapter 5 verse 12 it says the apostles performed many signs and wonders among the people and all the believers used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade. So they'd meet in homes right? But they, or, or small groups or classes as we'd call them in 2022. But there was something important about this corporate gathering and they were devoted to the teaching. There's a lot of speculation about what the teaching was about. Most Likely, the first thing it was about was, was about the life of Jesus, right? This new movement that was going on following the Messiah, God made flesh. So the central teaching was in all likelihood about Jesus. But there was also a lot of other things likely going on, ethical and moral teachings. They were living in a, a culture under Roman rule that had a lot of negative influences, and so there's a moral and ethical component to the teaching. There was warnings about persecution, that meeting together as Christians isn't always going to be easy. There's warnings about false teaching. There was probably a lot of teaching that went on that took particularly the prophetic language of the Torah, of the Old Testament, and pointed out Christ in that teaching. Does that make sense? looking back on the Old Testament and saying, there was Christ, there was Christ, there was Christ. And then there was a call to gospel evangelism, going out and serving one another. So as I was considering those things that were taught in the large group setting, don't you think there's a need for that right now in our society? Ethical, moral teaching, warnings about uh, false teaching, warnings about persecution, but devotion to the gospel and telling other people about Jesus. Church, we need that, right? That has to be a heartbeat of Centralia Community Church, that we're going to tell others about Jesus Christ unashamedly. Church, this place is vital. This gathering of people is vital. Now, here's another thing that's kind of interesting. Not all teaching is taught. Some teaching is caught, right? Right? It says there, if you continue reading, that everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the disciples. Now, it doesn't get any more specific with this, but you know what I can take from this? Is that this group is gathered together and they're watching what? God move, right? God is doing astronomical things in their midst, inexplicable things in their midst. That's teaching, Sometimes that's the most profound teaching there is. Have you ever seen a miracle? It'll change you, right? And so they, they witness that moving. They see that moving going on. By the way, it's why I think testimonies are so vital and church is the place for storytelling. I'm guaranteeing that you're sitting in here. This I, I know this because I grew up in church. I've, I've gone to church my whole life. And one of the things I know sitting in church is we come into church and we have kind of these ugly little closets in our life where things that that have been hard on us have gone on and we've done battle with those things. Now, through the grace of God, many of us have done battle with those things and God has delivered us. Sometimes in church, there's this tendency not to want anybody to know about those things because they're in our past. And yes, they're in our past and God has delivered us. But you know what? stories of deliverance the church needs to hear. There's somebody in here who has overcome a battle with addiction. And there's somebody in here that's dealing with a battle with addiction right now. And you know what? That person who's overcome through the power and the grace of God can be such an encouragement, right? To the person who's battling. So a lot of learning is God. Now next, this church becomes a vital place of care. It is a deeply caring place. Look at verse 44. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Uh, they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had a need. They, 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 what, is it, what does it say they did there? Did I read that right? They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had a need. The last two and a half years have been interesting, haven't they? Probably the most, in, most interesting in my 55 years walking in the planet. I've, I've never seen the cultural and social and political upheaval like we've had, you know, in the last uh, 24, 26 months, crisis upon crisis. And one of the things, I guess it's to be expected, it happened, is that people look to the government to meet needs, Right? To step in when there's job loss, and I'm not opposed necessarily to those sorts of things in in their entirety, but you know what? I wonder often, what if our communities, what if the Centralias of the world and the Chehalis and the Wenatchees, what if in those communities there was a, a band of Jesus followers that existed that was about meeting the needs of the community? that was about providing for those who'd lost their jobs? What if our communities, instead of looking to churches always as places maybe of protest or saying no or looked at the kingdom of God and and believers, Christians who maybe they disagreed with but said, you know what, those people, they do take care of people. They love people, They, they, they meet needs. There are a couple things going on in this Acts community. They sold their stuff. They sold their stuff to meet needs, right? Now, I'm not going to ask you to do that today. It's my first Sunday. <laughs> so that's more like third Sunday stuff, right? Uh, so I won't do that. I won't do that this morning. But imagine for a second what that simple act did, what that simple movement did to the people who were selling things. You know how sorry it is to sell your stuff and give it away that must have been a deeply moving experience for these early followers of this rabbi named jesus this messiah the savior of the world to go out and just give up their stuff can you imagine the growth and for those on the receiving end what did it say about this strange new community we were in, a, in the ghetto at a Caribbean nation about 15 years ago at a church central church and in, in a lot of poverty stricken areas church isn't something you do on Sunday morning it's like something you do every day and um, we were there gathering in the evening and one of the things we noticed is every night the women brought food and clothing and there's kind of Food and a pile of clothing. And I was asking the pastor named Antoine. I said, what is that, Antoine? And Antoine says to me, he goes, he goes, well, when people have extra, we always bring it every night. And the people who don't have enough take the extra. Now, what a beautiful picture of the Church of Jesus Christ, right? The Spirit of God at work. Scholars suggest, you know, the phrase used here is anyone in need. They gave to anyone in need. That this may have extended to outside their little circle of believers. They may have been giving to people who weren't in the camp yet. And regardless of whether they were doing it or not, I think we should be. I think we should be blessing people who aren't here yet. I think it's one way to point to Jesus. By the way, one of the things your leadership team here at the church is going to be doing in the next... Several months is evaluating this community, the community outside our doors in Shehalis and Centralia, and looking at what are the needs around us. You are, I, one of the first things I noticed is how strategically placed this church was when I rolled in, the schools and whatnot. There are needs that we are unaware of, and I think it's going to be vital for this church to identify those things and then step into those things. Identify maybe one where we, the Centralia Community Church of God, can be known in the community as the church that meets that need. It's a powerful thing. When I learned last week that I was going to be the pastor this week, (laughs) uh, I got online and, you know, I spied on you all. And I started making some calls. And one of the things that got repeated over and over to me was that this has historically been a very generous place. This has been a generous place. Let that continue to be a part of your DNA. Of who this church is. Now next, this community, the church, this gathering of kingdom people provides healthy, life-giving fellowships. Fellowship's sort of a funny word. You know, a lot of churches have fellowship halls. As a little kid, one of the churches I went to, the fellowship hall really smelled bad. <laughs> I just remember that. And, and so like fellowship, like I had to like battle back to make fellowship a good word, because to me fellowship happened in a really smelly room in an older building. Uh, fellowship is deep. And Christian fellowship means something more than simply having a meeting or watching a game together. As we're on the heels of this pandemic, hopefully, right, I see the church increasing uh, 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 possibilities of connection. As a place where people can come together and connect. We're, you know, I read an article this week that in, in many cities, particularly urban centers, where non-religious numbers are rising, the nuns, the people that don't identify with any religion, social clubs that are not tied to religion are exploding, because faith communities are shrinking in many of our urban areas, but people still need to connect. Church, this is an opportunity for us, right? To be a place where people who are lonely and isolated, think of all the uh, single parents or or people who have been just cut off during the last two years plus the opportunities that lie in the walls of this place and how we can, one of the things I heard is the church doesn't mind using this building for community purposes. Good, let's keep that up. let's, Let's do that. There's social scientists that are, I read an article in Christianity Today two weeks ago that said that social sciences are concerned about the decline in religious connection during the pandemic. Why? Well, researchers at Harvard have drawn some startling conclusions as to what happens to communities of people when they gather together as a faith community, as a Christian community in our case. There are lower rates of substance abuse, divorce, incarceration, depression. There are higher levels of life meaning and satisfaction, volunteering, longevity, and civic engagement. There, this is a Harvard study. Okay? There is a benefit to, to deep Christian fellowship. It's not good for man to be alone. And there's something deeply damaging about a lack of connection and isolation. Look at this early church. Verse 46. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. They met in temple courts. Again, a large group. They also met in their homes. Small gatherings. Both vital to the health of the community. They broke bread, it says. Now this likely refers to two things. Likely refers, as some of you probably have already assumed, to the Lord's Supper, to communion, right? That they would do communion together. But they would also just share a meal together. One of the things, you know, that I've learned over the years is almost always when there's a shared meal, a good conversation occurs around the table. We've sort of lost that art, haven't we? Eating eat in front of the TV, I think families would benefit, but also just as groups of adults and teens and children gathering together around a table, sharing a meal, and talking. This view of fellowship in the church needs to to really become something deeper. The the Greek word, some of you know this for fellowship, is koinonia. J.I. Packer, the, the famous pastor and author, taught up in Vancouver for years, says the Greek word for fellowship comes from a root meaning of common or shared. It's a common or shared life. So fellowship means, some, means common participation in something either by giving what you have to the other person or by receiving what he or she has. Give and take is the essence of fellowship. And give and take must be the way of fellowship in the common life of the body of Christ. We gather together and we give to those who need something and we take back and they give to us and bless us. So... I was a small groups pastor for years up in Olympia, Tumwater, and we started this small groups ministry, and it did real well. It was doing real well, and um, I remember I was up for a meeting in Seattle, and one of our families at the church had a baby that had just been born uh, with Down syndrome and a heart defect. And I just learned this and I was up in Seattle and I thought, you know what, I'm gonna go and stop in and do a hospital visit. They were at Children's in Seattle. So I thought, I'll just do this hospital visit. I'm up here and it'll be a blessing. And uh, I swing by and I got up there and I got into the room and I was uh, just moved. Because I stepped into the room and there were a couple members of this couple's new small group in that room with them. This fellowship that had just started in, in a few months earlier and I said, you know, what pastor you and know, I said, is there anything we can do for you right now? And the mom said, oh, everything's taken care of. And said, you know, Jenny and Bob are picking up our other kids during the week and our kids are staying with them while we're up here. Um, we've had meals delivered to our house up here. Uh, Aaron's coming and picking us up when we need to go. And this, this little band, this small group got it. They got it. They understood what it means, what Christian fellowship means. At the same time, we need to gather here. I enjoyed worship this morning, Devin. By the way, the next week for me is solely committed to figuring out which Devin is which. (laughs) So I can't take any other calls. That's all I'll be doing. Uh, But um, I enjoyed worship this morning. And I think that you would agree with me. Maybe you won't. We'll see. Uh, But there is something about worship in a large group with everybody lifting their voices that does not happen in small groups. And so this corporate gathering of worship is vital. Finally this. Christian fellowship, Christian community, the church, whatever you want to call it, it's a fertile ground for worship and prayer. We are going to focus on worship and prayer. Verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And then down verse 47, praising in God and enjoying the favor of all the people. When the early church was together, they prayed and they praised. And when we are together, we will pray and we will praise God. And we will seek his face. God created us as individuals, but again, he recognized it's not good for a person to be alone. We can pray as individuals, we can praise as individuals, and we should. You should be. But we're also commanded to come together and and do it corporately. By the way, if you look at, at the story of Scripture, there appears to be something, I'll use the word mysterious, that happens when groups of people come together. There seems to be a special or unique power in that. In fact, we're warned against avoiding one another. We're told to come together. Hebrews chapter 10, one of the most famous verses on the church, and let us, not, or let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Look what happens there. What happens when we gather together together we can spur one another on. We encourage this. When you leave here Sunday, I want you encouraged. I want you spurred on to step out into Monday. You know? Ready to face. And also encourage. This is a place of encouragement. When you come here, I want you to hear one person encourage you every week. I hope you need to work. Church, let's work on encouraging one another. Look at the people around you. How can you encourage them? But there's other things that seem to happen in community where coming together as either a small group or a large group is more powerful than by yourself. Jesus himself in Matthew 18 says, again, truly, I tell you, if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven for where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. There I am with them. It's gathering together in the presence of God. and, And for praise... My favorite psalm of praise is Psalm 150. It's a relatively short psalm. Praise the Lord Almighty. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his acts of power. Praise him for his surpassing greatness. Praise him with the sounding of the trumpet. Praise him with the harp and lyre. Praise him with the timbrel and dancing. Praise him with the strings and pipe. Praise him with the clash of cymbals. Praise him with the resounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Amen? Now, he listed a lot of instruments there. Right? It's going to take more than one instrumentalist to make that work. Okay? Worship can be this powerful corporate act. So here we have it again. A church that was a minority church in an occupied land. Many hadn't even heard about it yet. Didn't know what this new movement was. And yet the very Spirit of God breathed into them and amazing things started to happen, right? Amazing things started to happen. Oh, I hunger for that. And what happened? This. The Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Let me say this. I was just, thrilled to have baptisms on my first Sunday here. What a blessing. It's always a blessing to see somebody get baptized, right? Some of you may be sitting in here this morning saying, I need to be baptized. I want to be baptized. I I need that. Jesus said, believe and be baptized. If that's you, would you talk? Come talk to me. I know I'm new, but you're welcome to come to talk to me or talk to to Elmer or Devin or Devin. Uh, (laughs) or any of the other staff here, or elders, talk to them because we would love to celebrate baptism with you. But here's the other thing, the Lord wants to add to the numbers of the Centralia Community Church. And what I would say is this, how do we learn about Jesus? Somebody tells us, somebody is waiting for you to tell them about our Lord. This is a good place for them to hear about him. Would you, would you encourage that? And let's recommit to be a gathering of people engaging with one another with a deep level of love, accepting our brokenness but spurring one another on to good deeds, good works. Lord Jesus, would you bless us so, God, that we can bless others. As you pour into our life, God, would we pour into the lives of our children and grandchildren, into the lives of our neighbors and co-workers, God, for the folks that are on our kids' teams, God, would we be seen as a blessing in this community? You love love us, God. And we love you because you loved us first. And because you loved us first, God, you call us to love others. God, more than anything else, I pray that this would be a place that is known as a a community that shares the love of Jesus Christ, and it is in Jesus Christ's beautiful name we pray. Amen.